Support for this podcast comes from CLR Clear. Fight back against annoying household messes with CLR Clear. CLR Clear is tough on dirt and grime all around your home, and we're not just talking about calcium, lime, and rust. They have an entire lineup of cleaning products for your kitchen, bathroom, garage, and more. Visit clrbrands.com to learn more. CLR Clear, fight the clean fight. Eileen Fisher designs simple clothes to make your life easier. Timeless pieces in high-quality materials that are responsibly sourced for less impact on the environment and more positive impact in the world. Visit EileenFisher.com and use offer code GIRLFRIEND to receive $25 off your $100 purchase. That's EileenFisher.com, offer code GIRLFRIEND for $25 off. Welcome to Call Your Girlfriend, a podcast for long-distance besties everywhere. I'm Aminatu So. And I'm Ann Friedman. On this week's agenda, we're talking about all the ways we're feeling good in our bodies this summer. Why everybody is a beach body, why positivity is about working to make the world better for all kinds of bodies, not just your own. Why our favorite Instagram accounts are from people with a range of hot bods, plus microdosing, psychedelics, and other ways we get out of our heads and into our bodies. Hi, Ann Friedman. How you doing? I'm hearing some motorcycle noises, so I'm going to close this door. Your biker gang is, is rolling through? My biker gang is rolling through. It's my menopausal ladies. <laughs> oh, my God. What would be the name of your menopausal bike gang? Oh, my God. What would we call it? The perimenopauses? The like tailpipe hot flashes or something like that? Tailpipe hot flashes. <laughs> I can't with you. Can we say we're going to talk about bods today? Yeah, listen, today we're just going to talk about bods on the pod. Bods on the pod. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how's your bod doing? Listen, you know, my bod is pretty good. I, I feel like my the, the, the joys and struggles of my bod have been pretty consistent for a long time. So it's like, you know, it's, it's not new. It's maybe somewhat seasonal. If I'm totally honest, the, the bod thing that is forefront in my mind today is I've been thinking about getting bangs again. But it's Woo, but dicey. On, I know, but we're on the cusp of summer. I'm like, why does why does my brain want what my body is not going to want? Like very shortly. <laughs> That's you know, what's happening. And you love to play with the fire of bangs, like. <laughs> but I feel like you're in a good place, so I support this. I don't know. I think that like the heart wants what it wants, and I'm probably going to do it. But also get back at me in August when they're stuck to my forehead and I'm like, what have I done? What kind of fringe do you want? Oh, you know, a messy, a messy fringe that's probably going to like, you know, we're not talking about like um, <clears throat> a heavy bang, which as you know, uh, I've fallen into that trap post-breakup before. I'm talking about something that's like a relaxed kind of longer parted bang. You should do it like the girls in the K-pop videos do it and then you put a, like a hot roller under your bang. Oh my God, hang on. I'm Googling. Okay, I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm like, simultaneously, yes, this would be great. And also this seems like a horror during summer. Both of these things are true. I mean, I think that doing anything new to your hair or your face during summer is a gamble. It's true. Um, how's your bod? What's going on? 
you know, my pod is like, we're doing okay. Uh, you know, me, America's hardest partying cancer patient. <laughs> you know, like, I feel mostly good. It's so strange to say because I don't think I've been able to say that for a long time. Cancer is a joke. We like kick that. But menopause yeah. is a beast. This is definitely going to be the worst summer of my life. Like, I, I already know because people keep saying that it's hot outside. And I was like, but I felt this hot since January. What are you talking about? Oh, no. So it's just that thing where, like, I cannot tell what the weather outside is like, but I'm sweating a lot. Um, but, you know, mostly, like, I don't know. I'm proud of my bod. Like, we, you know, we overcame a lot this year. God, what did you say earlier that I declared was a poem about your body? And now I forget. Oh, my God. I don't remember. It was something it was about... It was a good haiku. <laughs> it was a beautiful haiku about how, like, your body is going to see you through this life or something like that. I don't even know. It it's great. true. Everybody is, like, at a different place with their body. But as somebody who is, like, very body stupid for many reasons, it was... It's, like, basically surgery that, like, forced me to confront, like, what my body looked like and what it felt like and what it is and so I feel that I'm just like learning my own body for the first time and you know and I'm just like oh like you are a very good machine to me like I treated you very badly and you still got me from point a to point b good job body it is true when you think about it in those terms like uh I I have never been one of those like my body is a temple people um and it, it is it is truly shocking, like what the bod has been able to do for me, despite my treatment of it. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, the thing, too, that's funny is that like because summer is here, there's all this like summer anxiety about like showing your body like the beach body phenom, which we've already discussed on the show. If you have a body and you're going to the beach, you have a beach body. Mm. Um, we're just kind of in this phase where anything that a woman who is bigger than a size six does is like brave now. And you're talking about, it, I love my curvy wife, <laughs> right? Like I love my curvy body. I love my curves or whatever. And like, I've always rolled my eyes at that because I'm like, I'm fat and I'm like, okay, calling myself fat. I have been fat for a long time. And there is something like kind of like empowerment 101 about like being stuck talking about bodies. You know, it's always like, like the people who are like so into their body feminism, you're just like name two other issues and they struggle. <laughs> And there is something that is like kind of very self-involved, you know, about like always it's like your struggle is your body. I have really softened on that. The truth is that like your body is political. And also we're bombarded by messages that tell us that like our bodies are garbage all day. So I'm just opening my eyes to that. We're also bombarded by messages from actual humans who cross our paths, like especially in warmer months when we are wearing less clothes because of the aforementioned heat. And like, you know, for me, there really is a divide between like, on one hand, feeling 100%, I feel great. This is the body I've had for a long time. Like I said earlier, it doesn't really change very much. <laughs> but like, like the, the need for that affirmation comes in when strangers are like literally stopping me to ask me questions about it or comment on it. Like that is the thing that happens that I'm like, oh, like it does require a certain amount of like resolve to stay in the headspace of my body is great and I'm great with it. And it's like hard for me to hold those, those two ideas in my head, right? Like the I feel great and also I, I have to not like overt mantra style repeat it, but like recognizing the challenges that the world also presents me. Like mostly men in the world, let's be real. Yeah, men in the world, like women. And I don't know. I find that like with a lot of fat things, like women are like very quick to police you the way that you dress mm. 
and the way that you are like this summer I'm like I don't care I'm showing my arms and my back fat and like that's not an issue you know like I was on the forefront of pioneering the fat kini like I they're like you are very a fat few kini things. pioneer I am a fat kini pioneer you know what I'm saying and I have always for me like personally found at least that like it is always women who police the way that I look or like predominantly police the way that I look like loudly at least that dynamic has always fascinated me too where I'm like wow like if somebody is not harming you why do you need to talk to them you know my thing that like all of the isms like racism like all the isms they're basically just rooted in rudeness <laughs> where I'm like if you would just like shut the fuck up and like keep your opinion to yourself like I want to know that about you it's true um, there's just no need to like comment I mean like nobody is harming you they're not like asking for your opinion they're not you know like a lot of times they look flyer than you there is no reason to tell somebody like what you think about their body unsolicited right and we have talked about this at length for sure. But like the fact remains, like people are rude and it does happen. And that's like what I was referring to, right? The duality of understanding that like I'm comfy with this body as it exists, like and what it does for me. And also I still have to contend with rude people making comments to me about it. Like those are two things that are that, that are, are both true. true. Yeah. Also, P.S. Boo Boo, I just Googled it. And the first email exchange between the two of us containing the word fat kini is from 2012. <laughs> For me, it's not because I'm like this brave person. It's just that one, I've never been quite in tune with my bod. So it never occurred to me that like being fat is bad, you know? And also like, you know, I'm an internally motivated person. Like who really cares what other people think? I don't know. Like I grew up in a culture where like obsessing about your body was not, um, it was not the best thing that you could do with your time. And I have definitely found that the longer that I've lived in the United States, the more I'm like falling into the trap. Whoa, America. America, America, Western world. But it's, you know, and that's not to say that like, you know, like African people don't have like intense body shaming things or whatever. They just manifest in different ways. Like trust, Grandma So, my God, she will call out every part of your body that is not great. But it just like manifests differently. There's also something about like living in a culture where you are not the like dominant color, you know, that already makes you feel like you're not part of the mainstream. So appealing to like European beauty standards was never like that was never a game I was going to play. Sure. Right. Except when people like of European descent are like verbally trying to make you conform to their standards. Exactly. Yeah. What are, like, kind of, you know, uh, cheesy question, and what are your self-care strategies for, like, body posy moments? I mean, the number one strategy, and I know we talked about this on an episode a while ago when I think someone wrote in asking about how does she deal with comments that her friends make that trigger um, her, like, eating disorder or, like, her feelings about her own body that she, like, has worked really hard on. Um, what do you do about that? And I think that for me, the number one posi, like body posi self-care thing I do is surround myself with women who are kind of committed to a similar ideal of body positivity, which is to say that it's not only people who feel good in their bodies, but also who um, want to help everyone with all different kinds of bodies get free and feel good in their bodies too. Like as, as a just general way of operating in the world. That is like the number one thing I do for myself and my body is like my community. <laughs> Um, which I know is not something you can like buy at Sephora, but are you sure though? Is, oh my God. Body posy community in a box. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, so like to yeah, TBH that is that is a big one. I have like also a few superficial things that I am into lately, but that's that's like the the number one all seasons all times um thing that I've got. What about you? I do the same, you know, I surround myself with people who are body posy, but also, you know, I think that if you're going to be in a community about it, you have to make a concerted effort to talk about it. You don't actually know if your friends are body positive unless you have a discussion with them about it. You know what I mean? That's a what kind of a wild assumption to make. But in the realm of how social media can just bombard you with like fake thin bodies all the time, I like to just like follow people who have different kinds of bodies that are like really good, you know? There's so many people that you can follow on social media, honestly, that will fucking make your day with how awesome they are. And also, like, really challenge your idea of what a conventional beauty standard is. I would say that, like, if you're always looking at Instagram and you feel like junk, like, you're probably following the wrong people on Instagram. Also, if you're following, like, celebrities who are always selling, like, I don't know, like, laxative, lollipops, I'm calling you out. Tummy suppressant, whatever. (laughs) I'm calling you out, Kim Kardashian. I had to unfollow Kim the other day. Mm -hmm. Finally, I have reached my limit. Me, the like number one Kardashian promoter. You're a grown woman like selling children laxative lollipops. And like your body is not the result of the product that you're shilling. Like there's something like so fundamentally like not okay about that. We really backed ourselves into the headline of this episode, which is that you you hit your limit with Kim. I know. I hit my limit with Kim. I'm not saying I'm not going to check into the Kardashian empire. I will be doing drive-bys. Thank you very much. That's usually what I do with celebs. I'm like, don't follow them. You got to just do a drive-by every once in a while. But so anyway, the answer to not doing that is to follow some like other really cool accounts. Like I love Jessamine Stanley, who we've had on the podcast who you know is the author of everybody yoga her account is really cool i really love this young woman kia brown who started the hashtag disabled and cute it like always leaves me feeling so awesome like her energy is great and she writes really 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 well about um disability and accessibility issues so you should definitely follow her on twitter and on the gram and do you have accounts that you follow that you like I have a few. Tuesday Bassin, who's been on the podcast before, is a designer who's branched into making and selling her own line of clothes. And she is like really open about the way she goes about making sure that that is size inclusive and is has a really interesting approach to transparency when it comes to making things for lots of different bodies. I mean, there are tons of brands that I think we've talked about before that make make clothes for, for different body types. But I like the way she thinks about it and also reflects her values and what she's doing. I love the women of She's All Fat, yes. who also already mentioned. I love Jacob Tobia, who is a very, very fierce, femme-identified, non-binary person who's, like, super fashionable. I also think that, like, there's a side effect to following a lot of people who are living in different bodies and having different types of experiences to yours, which is to say that, like, amazing style tips, right? Like, just, yeah. like, I'm, like, my... I feel like, like, it'll really, like... It's very look-evolving, not just, like emotionally bolstering. And I have to say, it's really funny. The um, 
the like ads I get served now. Like Insta- Instagram is so confused about what kind of body I have because <laughs> because I'm not just following and liking like one one set of things. I do 100 percent. Yeah, I do follow a couple of like tall lady accounts, right? Like they're the the few, the far between. But like it's it's very it's just like really amusing to me when I'm like, guess what? The algorithm can't track you when you're following a diversity of bodies. It has a data protection element. <laughs> I know. Another Instagram account I like is the Thick. T H I C C Thick Gram. It's like some really sexy ladies. And it's like a, their tagline is like a no bullshit lifestyle site. And I really like it. I follow this like total babe of all babes, Muse Gold, on Instagram. And she always makes my day with her style. And I just like want to jump into every photo and recreate it myself. Oh, and how could I forget Virgie Tovar? <laughs> yeah, Virgie Tovar, who has like coined so many good like CYG isms. Yeah. And um, who else are we into? I'm super into uh, Rochelle Brock, who is fatleopard.jpg. Um, she, <laughs> she is, she's more of a photographer, but she, um, she like features photos of herself and then a lot of the photography that she's doing. And it's always fun and rad. That advice that you gave, follow different kinds of people, like open your mind and really like get life tips from people who are happy. Lindy West, who's written so much about like how, like one of the things that really confounds people about fat women specifically is that they can be happy. Yes. And about how like thinness and happiness are not correlated. Exactly. And I have found that to be true in my media consumption. 100%. You know, I think that there is also a place in this conversation for really thinking about what gives you pleasure about your body. Friend of the podcast, Maisha Battle, who is a sex coach, is really great at talking about having a really expansive view of like what deriving pleasure from your body means. And so like some of that is just paying attention. Like, you know, she gave me some great advice, which is like, okay, like what, like think about the time of day or a moment when you feel really great in your body. And I was like, mm, it's probably like post shower, fully moisturized. And she was like, okay, you need to figure out how to live in that moment just a little bit longer. Like pause, think about like, you know, take a little longer with that routine, like really savor it, like spend a few extra minutes doing that thing that in the moment feels really good in your body. And like that will have a reflective effect on the rest of how you feel. And I'm like, yes, it's like, you know, I mean, it is, she does it in the context of like sex and feeling sexy. Thank you for your service, Maisha. But like, it is about bodies in general too. I love that sex and feeling sexy. I mean, everybody should feel sexy. Totally. All right. On the beach, off the beach, on the street, at home, sexy everywhere. Sexy everywhere. Every generation has its challenges. Some would say that's the reason for its progress. It might start with a small act of kindness or a big idea that changes everything. It can come from the tiniest voice or the voice of a generation. 
or it could come from me. I mean, not to. I am one of six change-making women featured in Eileen Fisher's Good Goes On campaign this spring. The campaign highlights women empowering women, the importance of sustainability, and the power of good design. Eileen started in 1984 with the idea that simple clothes can make life easier. And after spending a day on set wearing a super comfortable ultra chic jumpsuit, I think she's really on to something. As a company, Eileen Fisher believes doing well by doing good, and that's reflected in the way their clothes are made. Timeless styles and quality materials that are responsibly sourced for less impact on the environment and a more positive impact on the world. It was a real honor to be featured in this campaign and meet the other women making a difference in their community. I've been a longtime Eileen Fisher fan, so this was a dream come true for me. You can visit EileenFisher.com and use the offer code GIRLFRIEND to receive $25 off of your $100 purchase. That's EileenFisher.com, offer code GIRLFRIEND for $25 off. does this family do to like feel sexy and relax well you know we smoke a lot of weed in this family yeah or eat a lot of weed really (laughs) yeah eat a lot of weed i've been expanding more into the cbd realm so some mouth sprays some drops some drops in the food uh you know i i said that i was microdosing and you said that i was dosing (laughs) yeah i was like please there's nothing micro about your doses i have witnessed this for years i have a big body okay it's different for me you also like bodies are different and i truly don't believe that this is one of those things that directly correlates to like your body size at all it's just like you have some kind of special marijuana tolerance that i'm like the that is both a blessing and a curse i'm sure yeah, it's like whenever i take like edibles with people and i'm just like that's gonna do something for you i'm thinking specifically of those mints you know that we always travel with <laughs> yep and then no figure out your dosage but like for me you know i was like before cancer weed was my friend during cancer weed was even a better friend right and i've like talked to my doctors about it And they're like surprisingly cool about it. It's always great when you can find a doctor that can work with you. You know, you're like, this is what I like to do. Here's the deal. I think that also just like learning more about, you know, like my, I feel like my next step is like getting more into psychedelics. And I'm like really looking forward to exploring that this summer. But that has also just like made me like much more aware of like my bod and where my tolerance is and kind of like what my anxiety and my fears are. So I don't know. There's something like very like take back control of your life like aspect of it. Yeah. Did you read that article in the cut about microdosing recently? It was called Microdosing's Moment. I can I can read you the thesis, which is that recent reports show that millennials are drinking less and less and less interested in drugs like cocaine. But in a strange turn of events, they've taken up LSD and mushrooms in the way someone else might pop an Adderall. (laughs) Why is that strange? First of all... I don't know. I'm like, first of all, (laughs) millennials are nothing if not frugal, okay? Drinking alcohol is just money down the tubes. Like, it is not a good investment. I'm sorry, is LSD affordable? This is something I don't know about. (laughs) You know, as somebody who has had access to LSD, I will just say that the ROI on it seems great. Uh, (laughs) That's that's my assessment. Um, But, you know, also, like, who is doing cocaine, first of all? Like, just... 
have I told you how like for a long time I because you know like the so parents did like my parents did a lot of things wrong but they also did a lot of things right and they scared us off of all the right drugs but (laughs) the thing with like cocaine because I had never done it is that I never understood like I never understood like kind of who was on cocaine until I think I moved to New York and I was like oh (laughs) whenever somebody is like very sweaty and and they feel sexier than they look you know like they look like shit but they're acting like they look amazing that's cocaine like I wait isn't that the plot of an Amy Schumer movie is she really just on coke oh my god what movie you know how you know how I feel about that lady you know this is you know that and the new movie we have this is a body posse zone like so we are not discussing Amy Schumer like in the body posse zone (laughs) um yeah we actually like have not discussed that movie because the actually like the plot of that movie like fits in very well with all of the the bullshit that we're talking about today you know in the sense where like amy schumer who is like a conventionally like blonde like pretty lady who is like it's like who knows her size right because she always plays it up um, however she wants. Um, she's always like claimed that she was like bigger than the average Hollywood size, which like fair. But Amy Schumer is not bigger than the average American woman. And uh, I think it was a couple of years ago when Glamour magazine. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Glamour. Like somebody put her on their like plus size sheroes, whatever list. And she like lost her shit. So I was like, listen, you like you have to decide. Are you curvy or are you not curvy? Are you like, what are you? But also, like, there is nothing revolutionary about, like, living in, like, a body that is bigger than a Hollywood body. Making people feel like you have to get hit over the head while you're, I don't know, like, training at the gym to, like, feel that you're beautiful is, like, a very fucked up plot idea. Well, I mean, there are critics who have said this much better than than I have, but like I do, I do find like a compelling strain of argument against it. Also, that like it is it is wrong both in the sense of like you have to be hit over the head to feel great, but also in the sense that like you can just change your mind and therefore it's easier to exist in the world. Like it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier of like there is what you can do for yourself and what's happening internally, but then there are also like very real forces outside you that are like actively trying to make you feel like shit. And like how are you dealing with those personally and systemically is a thing that's going to happen no matter how confident you feel in your heart of hearts and try to emanate outward. Like those things can both be true. Right, but you also like don't need like, you know, a magical Negro best friend at the gym to like make you feel better about like who you are. And that like... Wait... You know, I'm crossing get magical Negro friend off at the gym. Listen, you already have me, boo boo. Um, (laughs) But, you know, like, uh, you know, it's just one of those. It's just one of those things that like I get what the message of this movie is. But actually, if you break it down, it's more offensive than it purports to be. It's so offensive. I'm like, actually, you know that there are like fat women that are happy with their bodies, right? Like you don't. You don't have to do all of this gymnastics. Okay, but I want to go back to talking about drugs for a second. Oh yeah, to the fun <laughs> to the fun part. I'm so sorry we had to do this right. Amy Schumer aside. Um, That's okay. But yeah, have, have you been have you been checked into Michael Pollan's book tour? He wrote a book about psychedelics. It's called How. Ugh, yeah, I'm like I'm. You know, you and I have discussed this privately, where we're a little bit annoyed because you know, like Islet Waldman wrote the book about microdosing, and you know, like finding you know like finding your bliss with drugs so it's just like weird it's like i know that they're not talking about exactly the same thing but it is weird to just have a dude write a book about a thing like a lady just wrote about and we're all acting like this just happened 
Yeah, Islet Waldman's book from last year is called A Really Good Day, How Microdosing Made a Mega Difference in My Mood, My Marriage, and My Life. And Michael Pollan's book, which is out right now, is called How to Change Your Mind, What the New Science of Psychedelics Teaches Us About Consciousness, Dying, Addiction, Depression, and Transcendence. Which, I'm sorry, not a million miles apart. One of them is about kind of like a personal experience and then extrapolating out from there. But guess what? Pollan's book is also about him taking these drugs and experimenting with them. Um, as part of the story. And it's like super interesting to me how this really identical topic is framed when it's uh, a woman writer versus a man writer. Yeah. <laughs> um, and also, okay, I have to recommend the Michael Pollan Fresh Air interview with Terry Gross, if only because, see how many times you can hear Terry Gross trying not to talk about her own psychedelic experiences while interviewing him. <laughs> done. That is like the game done. you should play and with done and done. As soon as I hang up with you, that's what I'm doing today. Um, I'm really yeah. curious. Ugh, now you're like making me want to explore the Michael Pollan book because, so Islet Waldman used to be, I believe, a public defender. And so she definitely talks about like um, in like on her book tour and in the book about like the privilege really of being a white woman who has access to drugs and how it is not a punishable offense for her in the way that it is for so much of the rest of America. So I really wonder if Michael Pollan will go there also, because I think that in the converse in the whenever we have these conversations about drugs, like it's really important to acknowledge. Yeah. Oh, completely. And I only listened to that one Terry Gross interview with him and this was not something he went out of his way to point out. I don't know about, you're right, the book itself or in other interviews, so who knows. I have my guesses about how forefront uh, this But I am glad that we're having more conversations about this stuff. Yeah, and I have to say too that like, um, you know, this is something that I know I mentioned uh, the article in the cut and uh, friend of the podcast, Kiana, did a um, feminist guide to microdosing and psychedelics on Medium that we will also link to. This is the kind of thing that it's covered often as like, guess what? Here is a brand new thing. Like this crazy idea, like, and, and I'm air quoting that, of like taking taking these like illicit drugs that people have done lots of jail time for selling and manufacturing and re reframing them as like kind of like a luxury mental health thing. But in truth, like this is the idea that like maybe ingesting some substances and changing your brain is like something that like you can... Uh, work with a community to like figure out how to do like maybe it's something that you can like explore like on your own in like pretty low-key ways like hence the micro and micro dosing not like something that you need to um, I don't know like undertake with like the help of uh, the pharmaceutical industry is like I think that like that is what feels transgressive about like that's the way that a lot of this stuff is framed now. Yeah, you know, nothing is new under the sun. Like, welcome back to the 70s. And before that, welcome back to the era the 70s people took it from. Like, <laughs> Exactly. Nothing is new at all. It's just like, how many generations are you removed from an era when it felt mainstream? I know. It is cool, though, that the boomers are getting into drugs. I'm like, my God, maybe if you guys had done a little bit more drugs, we wouldn't be where we are today. Shout out to all my friends, retired parents smoking weed for their anxiety. I know. I love it. I love it so much. I know we joke a lot about like being stoners or whatever, but I really do find like CBD and THC to be like wonderful tools in the arsenal of how to chill harder. You know? Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> like I wake up with like cortisol levels on 100. My entire day is like, how do I calm down for how, how hyper I am? That's because you wake up to wrap caviar as your Okay. Alarm. First of all, and that was a private <laughs> moment. <laughs> <laughs> 
Listen, if you don't love me at my 2007 Gucci Mane, can you love me at my 2018 Gucci Mane? I don't know. Talk about somebody who has had a transformative body experience as well. Oh, Gucci. Oh, Gucci. Gucci. I don't know. The benefits of marijuana in general for me have been like very tangible. It is part of like chill harder. It's part of like calm your brain down. But for me, it's also like helped a lot with a lot of body pain I've had. Mm -hmm. You know, like shout out to all my CBD rubs. You can actually find one in the of a kind store. Look at that free plug, (laughs) free plug. Like, especially when you're bombarded with like medicine all the time to just have something that like the ingredients that you understand and to just feel like you can be a little bit in control of what is happening to you is like, I'm like, it has made me feel much better. Right. Yeah. Hence, hence the microdose. Like there's no need, there's no need to go all in. And like, that's the other thing, like being forced to kind of slow down and have an experience. You know, part of me wonders how much of this is like, you know, actually the drug or actually THC or even sometimes when it's like you sit down to have a glass of wine like actually the booze and how much of it is just like you are mentally taking space and taking a break and being like I am gonna be I'm gonna force myself to relax and like not go so hard for a while you know I just wish that we had more of these talks out in the open because I know that like in our friend group you know we we talk quite often about like you know smoking weed or whatever But it's not something that we systematically discuss, you know, and we don't discuss like uh, abuse issues as much as we could. We don't discuss like people who are in recovery as much as we should. And and I feel that the more we destigmatize like what all of these things that are considered vices, the more there is room to have like meaningful and deep community conversations about that stuff. Right. And how do you acknowledge that what is helpful and healing and expansive for one person can be really dangerous and unhealthy and not so great for a different person. I mean, bodies are different, right? Like that is, you know, nuance. It's not always upfront in conversations about stuff like this. But yeah, I mean, I have to say that like for me, someone who is like, I mean, the number of like, you know, woo-woo California pals who have told me that I need to get out of my head and into my body, like I've lost count. Um, I am not, I am not someone who's like, well, and I I think, I think about it in, in a few different ways, right? Like I, um, the ways that, the 20th century American culture that formed me told me that like, okay, there are like women who are valued for their body and there are women who are valued for their mind. And you need to work really hard to be a woman who's valued for her mind and not for her body, which again, like this is like, these are false dichotomies. This is sort of like the virgin whore dichotomy or something like that. Where and it's like, like, that's crazy. Cause I'm beautiful and smart. Exactly. And like, and also like, again, valued for their bodies, like women who make a living off of something that has to do with their body are not, not smart or like not valuable also for their mind. Right. But it's sort of this lie that I really internalized of like, okay, my body is like the least important thing about me. And I want that to be very clear to myself and others. And like, in some ways I still feel like that is very, very true. And like having, coming around to an idea of thinking about like what you said earlier, like think about all my body has done for me, getting me to this place. It's like, it's so, that is, that is a very, very hard lesson for, for me to learn because of some deep sexist stuff. And I think like in a way, because psychedelics or like certain drugs allow you to tamp down on parts of your brain that run overtime in the mind department, it's been very good for me to do some drugs that get me more in my body and like allow me to let go of that. Like if I'm in my body, it's, I'm not being, you know, valued for my brain or I'm not doing what's really important about me. Uh, you're beautiful and smart too, Ann Friedman. 
Thanks, boo-boo. Sorry, I didn't realize like I had that in me. I was just, <laughs> I've been thinking about this for a while. Good thing we talked our way there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's so true. I, um, you know, I hadn't even thought about that, but you're right. Because that's something that I still, I struggle with a lot. Like just, you know, it's like if your body is the thing that you use for work, whether that is like working in entertainment or whatever, like what kind of messages are you sending? And the truth is that like so much of that kind of thinking is shaped by sexism and it's really, really hard to wrap your mind around. I'm just like, wow, like communication, it really is the key to everything, right? Where it's like, even when we say that, that like, you know, your body should be valued, we're really talking like your body until you're 30 something should be valued, right? Like we place like such a finite amount of time on like what a w when a woman's body is valuable, basically like your fuckable ears. And there are no like nuanced conversations about like aging or what it means to be somebody in the public eye when you are older than whatever the, the fuckability age is. And, you know, I'm like, this is why we watch movies where like women who are 40 are playing the like the grandmas of people who are 17. Like it just makes no sense. Right. It's just a dirty game. Capitalism and sexism together is a dirty game. Well, and I also think that like, you know, for me... Like, okay, example, when I was in journalism school, I never understood the women who were in like the broadcast media program who wanted to be like on air anchors because I was like, why would you limit your career to like the next 20 years? Like after that, you're out. Yeah. I, I had enough feminism 101 to know that that was not like their fault or anything, but I still had this attitude of like, why are you playing that dirty game like and picking a career based on your bod as opposed to like, you know realizing a little bit more holistically what was going on. I mean, I wouldn't say that, like, I thought they were dumb or anything like that. On the contrary, I'm like, what are these smart women doing throwing their lot in with their bodies, right? Right, but but do you think that you thought that of the men that were in the program, too, that they were using their bodies? Yeah, like, they're in a very visible role, which means certain things, right, in terms of, like, how capitalism requires you to present yourself. Because it does require certain things of people in male bodies or, like, you know, people who present as male. Yeah, They, they are also held to standards. But I do think that I... You know, look, I was like, the career arc for a man in front of a camera is a lot longer than the career arc for a woman in front of the camera. And so I did not think Absolutely. that they were making as as dumb of a choice. Um, Absolutely. Which is to say, just like recognizing the effect that that had on me then and how I felt about my body, right? Like, oh, as if I can kind of opt out from that problem by ignoring my body. Like, no. <laughs> you yeah. Know? It's so true. And now with like social media, you have such a like onslaught of just like phony bodies, really. Well, maybe that's not even the right way to put it, because I personally like I don't know how I feel about plastic surgery in the sense where I'm like, would I do it for myself? Elective surgery? Probably not. But, you know, like if somebody else wants to do it for X, Y, Z reasons, like that's your own choice. But I think that like where I land on most of it is that I think that it's very disingenuous when people profit from plastic surgery and do not disclose that they have had plastic surgery. So, you know, like case in point, celebrities who like sell like workout tools or whatever. And I'm like, mm, like, that's not real. Like the rate of velocity at which like we are just taking in the ways that like acceptable bodies are changing is so fascinating to me. And it happens so fast. The standards are like, you know, it's like a different body is acceptable now than was acceptable even when we were growing up. But it is, it's interesting, like, who the people are that are allowed to have that body. So, like, when I think about curves or whatever, it's still kind of dangerous for women of color to have curves. But, like, it is cool for, like, white ladies to have curves and butts now. 
Yeah, I mean, and also just recognizing that like all, like whatever moment we are in, in terms of like what the market deems great <laughs> about like a certain type of body, I really wish I were more hopeful about the kind of like the power of feminism to eradicate these questions altogether. Like what I feel like is more short-term realistic is like the standards will just continue to shift. I hope that it changes in a way where it becomes more expansive rather than just like remaining a very narrow band of bodies that are deemed acceptable and then that that definition shifting. I hope there's sort of like a wider array and a increasingly wider. But I don't know. I'm like, I'm not sometimes like due to the aforementioned effects of capitalism, I am not super, super hopeful that it will ever be cool to just have any kind of body because like that's not what sells shit. I know, but it's also like why I guess it's so important to like support economies <laughs> or like businesses that are actually body posy and to really think about like where you spend your money because that's literally all capitalism is, is spending money. So if you can make your money talk for you, then that's amazing. It's like look at where like plus size brands were 10 years ago and where they are today. It used yeah. to be shopping in my body was not um it was not an option and now i can go into most stores and like try things on that's like a shift that has happened i'm still utterly fascinated like people in fashion don't want to take the money of people that are bigger than size 14s i'm like i love money like what is wrong with you people it is a very weird thing about the market right like you would think it always defaults to where is there more money and this is one of those cases where it does not and i cannot figure it out either yeah it's like where money and class and like beauty privilege like everything in for sex it, it is wild but I think that for me you know this is like part of why I like to give my money to independent designers where I can shop at and where you know it's not to say that it's cheap but it like makes me feel good to spend my money at a place where different bodies can fit into things yeah and I have to say too that like I I have gotten into the practice in part because it's something that like we are asking of clothing manufacturers who advertise on this podcast, but it's something that I've gotten in the habit of doing of like, okay, if I'm on a website and I see that they don't carry clothes that are going to fit me, which is like, let's be real, lots of websites. <laughs> when I notice that something doesn't fit me in the past, I would be like, okay, goodbye. This is not for me. And instead I have taken to like sending a quick email to like the hello or helpline and just being like, just wanted you to know, I like your aesthetic. You would have had my money, but you don't serve my body. Bye forever. Um, and I love that. I know. <laughs> Goodbye forever. But, you know, this is a practice that we have of when a clothing brand advertises on our podcast and we notice that it is not as inclusive as we wish it were. Like, these are conversations that we are having in the background. And I think, like, recognizing both that, like, not everything is great out the gate, but also that, like, there is some room for change. And, like, maybe if they understand that their consumer base really, really cares about inclusivity maybe things will change. I don't know. How many emails does it take to the customer support line before they're like, maybe we should add a couple sizes? It takes a couple emails. It takes a couple like Instagram scandals and, then <laughs> and everything happens. But mostly I'm just like, you know, I'm like the American body has changed throughout history and like American fashion and American retail has refused to keep up. Like that just makes no sense to me. Right. Yeah. And I think like just to, to bring it full circle, like that is that is a thing that does reflect in terms of your personal confidence and how you feel in your, I mean, I feel good when I'm in clothes that fit my body, you know, and I know you, you are the same way. Like we've worked really hard to figure out how to do that when like the market doesn't make it easy. Totally. And, I mean, and you know this about me. I refuse to keep things in my closet that don't fit. It's like, right. 
there's no such thing as like the imaginary body I'm going to have one day. Like no way. Right. And so like, but like, I do think that it is, it could be very powerful if like, what if it were easier to buy things that like fit your body better? Like that would be, that would be like an important thing. Like how would you feel in public? How I feel in public is often dictated by like how, how I'm feeling in, in my body that day or like how I'm feeling about like what I'm wearing that day or that sort of thing. I do think it would have a ripple effect in other ways. This is why like you and I had early bonding moments over thrifting because we were able to like modify the clothes that we wanted or whatever. But it makes me like so furious when I think about like we are complaining about like access to clothes in general. And the truth is that like, we're pretty privileged when it comes to access to clothes. We can afford most things. We are, you know, like we are able-bodied people. We are people who live in big cities and it just like blows my mind that like, if it's hard for us, like how much harder is it for like somebody else? And that's like a thing that also doesn't get discussed enough. Totally. You know, like the ableism and clothes and fashion and how much, it is like it's so pernicious and even people like us who mean well like perpetrate that language and those stereotypes so much and it is endlessly frustrating i yeah i feel like we've gotten <laughs> i feel like we've gotten so far from the summer body posse episode we wanted to do <laughs> listen it's summer body well you know what if you could make up like one mantra for yourself that you would tell like your mantra for your summer body like what mm. is it Okay, I got to think about this. Um, okay, I have a very cheesy one. Tell me. Hello, Amina's body. I have to talk to my body in the third person. Oh my God. Someone, uh, uh, Maisha actually gave me a writing assignment of write, uh, write like a journal entry that's your mind talking to your body and then write another one that's your body talking to your mind. Oh man. Okay, I'll do the first one. I don't think that I'm evolved yet to do the other you one. You got to do them both. Um, okay. <laughs> Sorry, go Hel- on. <laughs> Hello, Amina's body. You are strong. You are beautiful. You are enough. You are a very sexy beast. I love you because you love me. And I love you because you are beautiful. I love you because you do not compare yourself to anybody else's highlight reel. And I am so proud of how far we have come together. And I have so much faith in how far we can go together. That's my mantra to my body. Yeah, I mean, I guess I feel like my body is like, my mantra is like, hey, body, you're doing great. Keep it up. (laughs) (laughs) For somebody who loves words, what a loss of words. I know. I mean, I, it's, you know what? It's hard because I do feel like it's like a feeling. Like it's almost like a thing that is like, it is. It totally is is a feeling. Words is the realm of my brain and like body is the realm of like, like I want my mantra to my body to be like, lots of really good body oils like I want my body my mantra to my body yes. to be like like lying on the floor of my office in the middle of the day I want my mantra yes. to my body to be like lots of good sex you know what I mean like yes. I don't I don't want my mantra to my body like I, it's for some reason it's like if I start to go into like the words part of me like I said I have a problem splitting these parts of myself into listen like separate- you little Capricorn you don't have to explain <laughs> yourself <laughs> You're doing great, body. <laughs> oh, my God. My little flour tortilla. I love you. Uh-huh. Okay, Amina and Anne's bods. Congratulations. You made shout out it. To, shout out to all the summer bodies. You made it. <laughs> I know. Shout out to everybody with a summer body. That's all, every single one of you. 
Um, we'll that was in beach. this hemisphere, at least. <laughs> well, and shout out to those of you who've just come through a really fun summer with your body in the other hemisphere. <laughs> True. And also a shout out to all of our Irish babes who have <gasps> made history. Who have autonomy over your bodies. Hell yeah. I know. <laughs> I like cried so much. Thank you for historical wins. I forgot what it was like to win. How amazing. Completely. Do something nice for yourself today. 100%. Do something real nice for yourself. For your bod. <laughs> that's right. I might get some oils and take a bath. Look at that. Uh, Well-oiled machine. Maybe that's my body mantra. Like not in the machine sense, but in the oiled <laughs> sense. <laughs> Yo, body's choice. Thank you, Brittany Callender, for bringing that into our lives. It's true. You can find us many places on the internet on our website, callyourgirlfriend.com. You can download it anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast or on Apple Podcasts, where we'd love it if you left us a review. You can email us at callyrgf at gmail.com or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at callyrgf. You can subscribe to our monthly newsletter, The Bleed, on the Call Your Girlfriend website. You can even leave us a short and sweet voicemail at 714-681-2943. That's 714-681-CYGF. Our theme song is by Robin. All original music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs. Our logos are by Kanisha Seed. And this podcast is produced by Gina Delvac. See you on the internet, boo-boo. See you on the internet. <laughs> <laughs>